Insurance and Injury Law Show. Right back at it. Anytime you want to reach out, contact Savannah James, member of the team, simple one 990 and help at the Lots of stuff as usual every week here to cover Savannah on this uh, this lovely broadcast day. What have, uh, what have you got going on as far as the week that was and some, uh, some cases you're working on? John, I want to start off with a story that actually broke in the news last year, and I just want to revive it a bit. It's mm-hmm. about nursing homes in Ontario. And if you remember... Uh, about a year ago, uh, just over that, uh, the, you know, the, go- the government cracked down on some nursing homes throughout the province. There was a nursing home uh, in Mississauga called Tyndale. There was a nursing home uh, in London, Earl's Court Village. And then there right. was another one there uh, in, in Fergus, Ontario. And what happened was that they found that there was a lot of neglect. There was, there was abuse. There's a whole bunch of very problematic things that happened with those homes. Mm-hmm. And... They basically had orders from the government to stop admitting new members into those homes. And uh, the government, of course, uh, intervened and they were working on new legislation, which again came out last year called Strengthening Quality and Accountability for Patients Act 2017. And really what they're trying to do with this legislation is fix a whole host of problems, including issues with nursing homes. And I had just spoken earlier uh, um, last week with someone from uh, a, a very prominent news organization who was asking me about sort of some of the endemic problems that I see when I speak with people, families of individuals who have been in some of those homes. And I told her, you know, when I speak with these individuals, my gut sense is that these problems are still there. Uh, you're still having individuals who are being neglected uh, in, in those homes. You know, they have bed sores. Some of them are injured. I had represented families of individuals uh, that not only have been injured in some of those homes and neglected and abused, but in fact, I've also represented individuals whose family members actually died in some of those wow. homes. So, you know, unfortunately, this is still a problem. And what I want to tell people out there is that you have rights. Your family members have rights. Your friends, you know, people that you know and care about, they have rights if they are in those homes. You just, you know, don't just take it. If you know something is wrong, something is going on with one of those homes, please contact me. Let me get involved. Let me figure out if there is in any way that I can help, that my team can help. And that's really what I want to focus on here right now, speaking about this, saying that people in vulnerable conditions in those homes should not stay silent. And oftentimes, John, they're not the ones who are able to speak. It's the family members and friends who need to get in touch with us so that we can actually get into the action and, and you know, hold these homes into account. Again, that number, one 990 an email, anytime, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I know you're not done. You got more. I do have yeah. more. I have uh, I have one that I want to speak about. This is a question that was posted to our website, mydisabilityquestions.com. So we're shifting gears now from nursing home to long-term disability, which is something I really am passionate about. And here's a question that came from uh, uh, fr- from Chad, and here's what he writes. I'm on long-term disability through and then he mentions the insurance company name, and have been on it for three years. They recently changed me to long-duration disability and are now pushing me to apply for CPP disability, and they want consent forms filled out immediately. Can they make me apply for CPP disability? I don't want to, but I also don't want them to cut me off uh, if, if I don't do that. And that's something we've spoken about, you know, a lot about, about CPP disability. And you know, here's what I would say to people out there who are on LTD. It's to your benefit, as far as I'm concerned, 
that you apply for CPP disability, and I'll tell you why. It's your choice, ultimately, if you do it or not. That said, the vast majority of LTD policies out there contain provisions that require you to apply for for CPP disability. If you don't apply, what I've seen happen before, I've generally not seen insurance companies cut people off, but what I've seen insurance companies do is estimate the amount of money that they think this person should be getting from CPP disability, and then reducing the LTD monthly payments by that amount. Yeah, just guessing at it, right? Exactly. If they think that you owe a thousand bucks, well then, and you don't apply, well then they're going to reduce your payments by a thousand bucks. But here's the reason why I think you should apply. There's a there's a few reasons. The two most prominent reasons that come to my mind are number one, if you end up getting cut off LTD at some point in the future. CPP disability will continue paying you. So there's an income source while we fight the insurance company. That's number one. Number two, if you get qualified for CPP disability, there is more of an argument that the insurance company should not cut you off. Right. Because the, you know, the test to get CPP disability is, 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 is fairly tough. You have to show that you have a, a disability that is serious, that it's prolonged. You have to have medical proof. So if you don't take the step of applying and getting CPP disability, you're giving, in a way, the insurance company an excuse not only to reduce your payments, but to also argue that, well, clearly you're not as disabled as you say if you don't feel the need to apply for CPP disability. So that's something that I really want to make sure. Also, I can tell you that I'm not an accountant, but my understanding is that if you get CPP disability, Eventually, when you end up applying for regular CPP, your payments are actually going to be more or better than really? what they otherwise would have been. Again, I've heard this. I haven't actually dealt with, with, wow. with this issue before, but it's something that has been brought to my attention. So there's really no downside in the long run. No, there's no, no. downside. And I understand people are saying, you know, why should the government pay me? I've paid into this LTD policy or my employer has paid into it. Mm-hmm. I think my insurance company should be the one to pay 100% of my disability benefits. Yes, but it's not a black and white type of a situation. There are benefits for you to apply and for you to get CPP disability. If you don't do it, that's your choice. But just understand that the insurance company may have the right to reduce your payments accordingly. Tell me, uh, you mentioned it there, mydisabilityquestions.com before we break. Give me some details about it. So that's a free website we've created. I mean, there are literally, I think, thousands of questions have have been posted on it. Uh, I, I, I get those uh, questions submitted to me, uh, myself and my team, and we answer them. We answer them for free. And frankly, if I think that you know, we need to have a, a chat above and beyond my answer and your question, then I will tell you in my answer, contact me privately so we can have a discussion about your situation so I can provide you with your options. And I want to stress something. Not only is that website for free, in other words, you can post your question and get your answers for free. Uh, but if you contact us, if you speak with me or one of my team members, that is free. So if you are cut off or denied LTD, or if the insurance company is doing something that concerns you, you can contact us, get this information from us for free. We are on your side. We are in your corner, right? I mean, we're going to take the fight to the insurance company, but it's important for you to understand that you have nothing to lose by getting this information. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com is one way to reach out. There's also the phone number, one 990 9646 and help at We've got a lot of emails we will get through after a short break and some other content as well. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio. The number anytime. Savan and his team, including James, who will uh, be back at a uh, on a later date, one 990 9646 and help at So mental illness claims, why are they often denied by LTD insurers and how to maximize the chance that your claim won't be denied? Why do they do that? Excellent question, John. 
uh, questions. Yeah. This is something that we see quite often. The vast majority of people who come to us don't actually have a physical injury. Some of them do. You know, you break your back, you're in a car accident, whatever. But a lot of people experience uh, PTSD or anxiety or phobias, uh, depression, things like that. And it's very frustrating for people who apply for LTD or get cut off or denied LTD mm-hmm. when they are in fact disabled due to a mental illness, mental impairment. Especially when you have someone treating that individual like a psychologist, psychiatrist, psychotherapist who are backing up the individual, who are telling the insurance company this person is disabled. Right. So why is it that insurance companies often ignore these kinds of claims? Well, the simple answer is because they simply don't believe you or they don't think that you are as disabled as you say you are. And, and I think that comes out of a few things. There's a, a few reasons why I think that happens. Number one, these kinds of illnesses or disabilities are not objective. It's not like a broken arm or a broken back that you can see on an X-ray, on an MRI, CD scan. It's not that. You, you actually have to you know, take into account sort of a holistic approach, look at the individual, speak with them, perhaps interview them, review the records of whoever's treating them. It's not a black and white type of a situation where you can just see it. So that's number one. Number two, I think there's a stigma. There's a stigma out there. Insurance companies, uh, you know, whether it's intentional or not, I think propagate that by denying legitimate mental health uh, illness claims. And I think, unfortunately, people out there are, are to some extent more vulnerable when they're experiencing those kinds of issues, right? If you have depression or anxiety... And you have an insurance company who's perceived to be this, this mammoth corporation with billions of dollars, and they're telling you you have no case, it's just going to make you more depressed and more anxious. It's certainly not going to make you want to fight them, right? right? It's, you're very vulnerable from that standpoint. So we end up getting contacted by a lot of family members and friends of those kinds of individuals asking us to intervene to help these people. And John, one of the things that I want to mention here before I get to what you can do to strengthen your claim mm-hmm. against the insurance company uh, is, is, is really emphasize this. If you know someone who is experiencing a mental illness, mental impairment, something that is psychological, uh, that is disabling them from working, and they have been cut off or denied long-term disability, please take action. Do something about it. Contact us on their behalf. I mean, do that with their consent, obviously. Right, right. Put us in touch with them because here's what they need to understand. As soon as we get into the picture, we now stand between them and the insurance company. Contact stops, right? The contact nice. stops. The individual who has been denied the LTD or cut off LTD is no longer going to be communicating with the adjuster. It's us now who are standing in the way between them. We are that wall and we're going to push back against the insurance company. Now, to answer the other question, how do you maximize the chance that your claim will not be denied if you are suffering from a mental illness or a mental impairment of some sort? Three tips. Number one, make sure you're getting regular treatments. I mean, this applies also to physical type of disabilities, but with mental types of disabilities where you don't have x-rays that can show that you're having a uh, depression, anxiety, and that kind of stuff, it's even more important. You have to show that you are getting treatments. Mm-hmm. Try not to have any gaps in those treatments. You want to show that you are trying to get better. And frankly, you want to create a record, yep. uh, a record over a period of time that shows that you are trying to get better. Number one. Number two, you want to make sure that if you are a psychologist or psychiatrist or whoever is treating you, your doctor, they're telling you to do something. They're giving you recommendations for treatments. Follow those recommendations. Now, there are exceptions to this. 
They may put you on a drug that is making you more dizzy or, or you know, doesn't agree with you. That's okay. But speak with your doctor or your psychologist or whoever it is and make sure that if something doesn't work, that they prescribe something else. You want to show that you are following recommendations. Right. That's number two. And number three, you want to make sure that your treatment providers provide updated reports in support of your disability. You want to make sure that the insurance company has the paperwork from your treating practitioners, psychologists, psychiatrists, whoever. They need to back you up because if your psychologist writes in to the insurance company saying, yeah, I'm treating this person, but I think that they're no longer disabled from working, you're going to have a problem. If you tell the oh, insurance yeah. company, I can't work, but my doctor says that I can work, yeah, well, no that shot. is exactly. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you are on the same page with whoever's treating you. And lots of detail. If, if I mean, I, I would imagine your medical team would do that anyway. They've probably been through this countless times with the insurance companies, yes. but the more detail, the better. The more Not detail, a the better. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. No. You cannot go to your doctor or whoever's treating you and get them to write on a, on a, on a napkin. He's sick. Exactly. That's not gonna. That, that's not gonna fly. Yeah. And frankly, it shouldn't fly. Of right. Not. I mean, you're dealing with long-term disability. Presumably, there there is a lot of meat there yep. that, that can be given to the insurance company for them to, you know, sink their teeth into. And frankly, if you provide them this detail, if, if your doctors provide detailed uh, letters that mm-hmm. explain why it is that, in their professional opinions, you are disabled, and then the insurance company ignores those letters. The insurance company has now put themselves in a much more difficult legal position because right. down the road you can show that you've given them everything they needed to make a proper and correct decision, and instead they've done the exact opposite. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We're going to bounce over to an email after a short break right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. As promised, we're going to go right to emails as they uh, they pile up here every week. We'll get to uh, to Donna. Your first up, Donna says I was initially denied LTD a year ago, and I didn't do anything about it because I figured that there was no point in appealing that denial, uh, which you say all the time. I had thirty days to appeal back then. I'm wondering if I still have time to do anything now, or am I out of luck because I didn't appeal within that thirty day period. Fantastic question, Donna. So first of all, the 30-day appeal period is absolutely meaningless. The insurance company cannot take away your rights because you haven't appealed in 30 days. And and frankly, on the issue of appeal, you know my opinion on that. Don't appeal these kinds of of things. Do not appeal denials or cutoffs from long-term disability insurers. Rarely do they work. I can't tell you that they never work. I can tell you that there's a ton of people who contact me weekly that tell me their stories about how they've appealed once and twice and three times and they've been denied, 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 despite the fact that their doctors are saying that they are disabled. So, you know, Donna, here's the thing. This is the tragedy of your situation. I mean, there's a good side and uh, there's a good thing and and, and a bad thing about it. Uh, Let's start from the good thing, by the way. The good thing is that you were denied one year ago, which means that you're within the two-year limitation period. We can take action now against your insurer. I need to see the denial letters. I need to see the medical documentation. I need to see uh, the LTD policy that y- y- you're applying under. And we need to have a discussion about your circumstance. But the fact is, you are now within that time period where we can still do something. That's number one. That's good news. However, that said, I can tell you that in the vast majority of, of cases that we deal with at the office, when it comes to long-term disability, we resolve claims within months or certainly within a year. The vast majority of cases resolve within a year, a year or less, which means, 
Donna, unfortunately, that if you had come to us back then when you were first denied uh, or cut off, then, you know, we would have been able to resolve your claim by this point. So, you know, again, not all is lost. We can help you. But I guarantee you, John, that there are a lot of people out there who are in Donna's situation who have simply decided or, or back then when they were given this denial, thought that they had no case, despite the fact that they knew that they can't go back to work, despite the fact that, ins- that their doctors have said you can't go back to work. But they simply assume that the insurance companies are right. And they haven't done anything about that. But right. now they know better because they listen to the show or they've talked to their friends and their friends have listened to the show. And this is what I want to tell people out there. You're losing nothing by contacting us, by having us review your, your, your documentation. And not in every instance I will tell you that you have a case. Okay, there are people who contact me where I review their documents and I tell them, look, I think the insurance company is correct. That said, in the vast majority of cases... I see mistakes that have been made by insurance companies, and I think we can take uh, you know, legal action against them. And once we do, we resolve those cases, usually within a year or less. I want to remind you that we're just uh, really a few days away now, as of uh, early January, we're going to get into In Your Corner. That is our global TV show, starting with Savan, myself, and James, talking about uh, injury law and disability as well. A televised version, basically, of what we do on this radio show, so looking forward uh, to that. Another email, Jerry this time says, my wife, who was 32 years old, was a victim of an assault three years ago, and she developed PTSD and depression because of the trauma. She's been seeing a psychologist for almost a year, but she's still not well. She stopped working around that time because of her PTSD, and her employer was very supportive, and they paid her short-term disability. But then she tried to apply apply for LTD, and she was denied, apparently because she doesn't have enough proof that she can't work. I don't understand why they would say that. Uh, Do you think we could do something about it? Jerry, thank you for writing to me. I'm sorry that your wife... um was was assaulted and, and is going through what she's going through. Uh, it must be very traumatic, not just for her, but for the family. I, let, let, me, let, let me tell you this. Uh, if she's being treated by a psychologist and if legitimately she cannot work because of the trauma and her psychologist agrees with that, then no, I don't understand why the insurance company has denied her claim. When insurance companies come to you and say, there's just not enough proof or there's not enough medical documentation... I don't know what that, I mean, I understand what that means, but I also, you know, in the same breath, I will say, I don't know what that means. And I'm not talking, John, about the cases where you are, again, bringing to the insurance company a napkin, a note on a napkin from your doctor saying you can't work. I'm talking about cases where it's been documented that you've been suffering from something for X amount of time. You've been going through treatments. The treatments are maybe working, maybe not working, maybe semi, you know, semi-working. And insurance companies simply come back and say there's just not enough medical proof. And you know, John, I also have doctors, as well as psychologists, psychotherapists, calling me directly on behalf of their patients, angry, not at me, but at insurance companies, telling me, we don't know what we can do, what more we need to tell the insurance company to help our patient get approved for LTD. Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, we can help uh, their patients. I say unfortunately because it's unfortunate the insurance companies are sort of throwing out that line of there's not enough medical proof or there's not enough uh, insufficient medical documentation. In many instances, I find that they send that out there into the ether hoping that you will internalize that, you as a disabled person, and simply walk away. You know, I, I, you know again, they're trying to convince you that you have no case when you know you have a case. Yeah. And often what they need is they need me to reassure them that they have a case. And I do that if, in fact, I think there is a case. 
But in many instances, when people contact me, they're contacting me because, you know, it's like it's the last resort. They don't well, know what weak. else to do. They're down. They're weak. They're down. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jerry, I can tell you right now, let me have a look at, at the documentation that your wife sent in. Let me have a look at the denial letters, the policy, and I will tell you guys within minutes if, in fact, there is a case here against the insurance company. And if there is, we are going to make them pay. Back to more of your questions and emails here uh, very shortly. We'll take a quick break. It's uh, one 990 9646 and help at And a reminder again, Global TV, just a few days away, January 2019 is when we're kicking it off in your corner, a televised version of this show coming to Global. Looking forward to that as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number to get a hold of Savan, member of his team. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to more emails here in uh, just a couple of minutes. You got something to cover, though? Yeah, John. Uh, I actually just got an email from a listener, uh, Robert in Ottawa, who um, you know, without going through all the details of of the email, essentially says that he's on LTD and he's just received notice this week from his adjuster that his benefits will get cut off yeah. in March uh, of two thousand and nineteen. And what I want to tell people out there is that if you are on long-term disability, in other words, if you haven't been denied, uh, if you're on them, but you've just received notice that you are going to, in the future, get get cut off, don't wait until that cutoff date. We can do something now to either avoid the cutoff, in other words, engage the the insurance company now, or prepare everything we need to, to hit them as hard as, as we need to hit them, to make them come to the table, right when they deny. So in other words, don't wait until the cutoff date. That's my point. Because you know what? They're going to cut you off. Yeah, it's don't, gonna don't, happen. It's gonna so. happen. Don't stick your head in the sand. It's yeah. gonna happen. So as soon as you get a word from the insurance company that you're gonna get cut off, contact us immediately. Let us deal with the situation. Because you'll either you know lessen the gap or uh, it'll be seamless. Our right? goal is to is to you know make sure that you are not left without money. Right. And I've had a case. Uh, again, this is actually in Ottawa as well, where. Uh, this individual was told almost a year in advance that he was going to get cut off. And I remember I was talking to his psychologist who was just furious at, at th- yeah. this was a psychological claim, was furious at the insurance company. And and she prepared a, a very, very lengthy report in support of his disability saying, you know, he's not going to be better in a year. It's just not going to happen. And we ended up starting a legal claim right there and then, right? So mm-hmm. in other words, think about this. The insurance company was still paying him LTD, while we were going through the legal claims process, and we ended up resolving the claim three months shy of that cutoff date. Nice. So again, he was, he was, there was no point in time when he did not have money coming in. And that's our goal. Because we understand, listen, you have expenses, you have a mortgage, perhaps kids that have activities, etc. Don't wait until you're cut off. If you are told you're going to get cut off, you will be cut off. Let's do something about it now. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six to reach out by phone, email as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You often talk about settling claims and getting that all done like you just did. Um, talk a little bit about once there's a settlement, how long does it take generally for the client to get their money? Generally very fast. So insurance companies, once they decide to pay, in other words, once we force them to pay, uh, you know, we can get a check into our office literally within a matter of weeks. Sometimes wow. it's even days. You know, in, in the old days, you'd have adjusters actually coming to mediations with checkbooks. Uh, that's not done anymore. Could you imagine? Uh, yeah, that, that's not, this I'm talking about even before Guilty as charged. I was working for insurance companies, right. Uh, you know, but, but this is important, right? Because people need to understand that as soon as there is a settlement with the insurance company, then the case wraps up fairly quickly. Listen, there are exceptions, but those are rare. 
with insurance companies, once they decide and there is an agreement to settle with you, get you, it done. Get they want to get it. They yeah. want it off the books. They yeah. want to close the file. They want their lawyer to, you know, stop working on the claim so they don't have to pay them any more money. Yeah. So very, very important. So if I tell you that I can resolve your claim in months or a year or whatever it is, I'm not talking about resolving it within three months and then it takes another year to get the money. That's not going to happen. Right. Okay, you get the money fairly quickly after. Email address, by the way, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Uh, Susanna up next says, my cousin was in a pretty bad car accident last year. It wasn't his fault, and he has a paralegal helping him uh, with getting some benefits from his insurance company. He's 42 years old and is a computer engineer. He applied for LTD, but he was denied because the insurance company says that his injuries are not bad enough. He broke his collarbone and was diagnosed with a bad concussion. Does it make sense to appeal the decision from the long-term disability insurance company? No, absolutely not. But John, I want to talk about uh, the, the rest of the email that Susanna had, had written to us. So first of all, if, if her cousin was involved in, in a bad car accident last year, it's important that we talk about car accidents in general. Yep. In Ontario, the way that the law works with car accidents is that whether or not that's your fault, that's irrelevant with respect to the benefits that your own insurance company has to pay you. Those no are called benefits. no fault benefits, yeah. accident benefits, exactly. You could be getting income replacement benefits in the event that you can't work for a period of time. Uh, you, you, you can get uh, treatments paid for, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that you are eligible to get from your insurance company, again, whether or not you are at fault. But in addition to that, if it's someone else's fault, in other words, if someone else caused the accident or contributed to the accident, it doesn't have to be 100% their fault, but if they have some responsibility, well, then their insurance company is potentially on the hook for other damages that the you may be entitled claim, to, right? the tort claim. Right. Could be pain and suffering, could be future income losses that you may suffer, future care you may need, yeah. out-of-pocket expenses, right? A whole bunch of stuff. And it's very important to understand, Susanna, that uh, your cousin did the right thing in applying for long-term disability because he has an obligation to, to try and get benefits from wherever he can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and frankly, there's going to be uh, a point in time where all of these insurance companies are going to have to come into a room together. That's yeah. assuming that the case is handled correctly. And, 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 and then we try to resolve the claim with all these insurance companies, with the, the no-fault insurer, with the tort insurer, with the LTD insurer. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen in each and every case, right? We have to figure out strategically whether we want to engage every insurance company at the same time. But it's very important to understand that your cousin is entitled to start a separate claim against a long-term disability insurer. And I will tell you something else as well. It's really important that we start a claim ASAP on the LTD front because the last thing you want is you want it to to, uh, uh, be the situation that the tort insurer or the insurer of whoever caused the accident thinks that you're not getting LTD, sorry, that your cousin's not getting LTD because the injuries are really not that serious. I mean, she says, John, that uh, he suffered a, a, um, a fracture to his collarbone and was diagnosed with a bad concussion. Which is well, a brain injury. Newsflash, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly concussion is a brain injury, and yeah. you can have different severities to brain injuries. So, you know, very, very important to understand this. These are serious injuries. He's going to be entitled to accident benefits. He's going to have a tort claim potentially, and he has an LTD claim. And you want to make sure that it's the same lawyer that's handling all of them. And I know she said that there is a paralegal helping. Can't go far enough. A paralegal can only help in this context with the accident benefits claim. A paralegal cannot handle the LTD claim. A paralegal cannot handle the tort claim. Gotcha. Okay, so you want to make sure that you have the same office, ideally the same lawyer even, the same team dealing with all three claims.
Susanna, you got the email address, of course, the uh, the phone number, one 990 Lots more on the way. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio. one 990 9646 or help at the Early January, that's when we get into it, our global TV show. Taking this show to the uh, the small screen in your corner will begin uh, on January Sundays at 8.30 on Global TV. Uh, you've spoken about several times bad faith damages or, or punitive damages that some disabled uh, Individuals may uh, may be able to claim from insurance companies who deny legitimate claims. Can you explain this a bit more? Yes, that's really important to understand in the context, especially of long-term disability. Uh, when you buy insurance, and by the way, if you're an LTD, it's possible that your employer is the one that's been paying the premiums. It, it doesn't matter. Insurance is recognized by Canadian law as being a different type of contract than, for example, if you hire someone to renovate your home. If you hire someone to renovate your home and they don't do a good job, you can go after them or you can get somebody else to fix, you know, your, 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 you know, whatever, whatever was not done correctly. With insurance though, uh, you are buying a, a very unique product. The product is peace of mind. And that's important to understand. I mean, think about all the commercials of insurance out there on TV, on the radio. What are insurance companies selling you when they're selling you home insurance, car insurance, travel insurance? They are selling you peace of mind. They're going to be your best friends on that rainy day. And what happens in these cases when people get denied uh, incorrectly? Well, what they're doing is they're not giving you the product for which you've been paying for, right? All those months or all those years. And so courts have recognized that those are very specific types of insurance. And in the event that you are not uh, given what you in fact bought, which is that peace of mind, you may be entitled to additional damages above and beyond what the contract gives you. And some of those, those damages are, are, are called uh, general damages, for example, for pain and suffering, for the anxiety, the aggravation, everything else that goes along with being denied uh, insurance. Yep. Uh, but, but, you know, there's another category uh, that courts have recognized in Canada, which is called punitive damages, bad faith. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It, it, it's awarded in, in those cases where you think that insurance companies have acted maliciously in a high-handed manner. That, that's the actual phrase, right? That, that, those are the words the courts have used. When they're saying, insurance company, you have really acted badly here. We are now going to award something against you above and beyond even pain and suffering. We are going to punish you. And that's what punitive damages are. They're extra contractual um, damages. In other words, it's beyond the contract. It's not just what you promised to pay. Now we're going to penalize you. We're going to actually award something above and beyond to punish you, right. to slap you on the, on the wrist or whatever. And people need to understand that when they are uh, incorrectly denied LTD, they may be entitled to those kinds of damages. And we, we claim for those kinds of damages. And in some cases, we have examples of those kinds of cases where courts have actually awarded those kinds of damages against insurance companies. So very important to understand that this is something that's open to you if you've been denied long-term disability, and this is something that we will go after if we think it's warranted in your specific case. Reach out with more questions anytime, one 990 9646 help at Uh Get to a, uh, another email here. Dan says, I worked as an architect for over 20 years until I became addicted to opioids. Because of a bad injury a few years ago, I've been struggling ever since. And earlier this year, my doctors decided that I should go on disability, which I did. I applied for EI sick benefits and got that. And then I applied for LTD, but I was denied because of insufficient medical documentation. My doctors have all written that I am not well enough to work and I just don't have the strength to argue with the insurance company. 
My brother listens to you all the time and told me that I should uh, should write to you. The reality is that I can't function properly because of my addiction, and I've been in rehab for a while. I have a lot of difficulty focusing and sleeping. Can you help me? Yes. Yes, okay. and, and, and this is really unfortunate. I mean, we know that there is an opioids uh, crisis in Canada, in the U.S., really around the world. And, you know, again, this is an example, John, of an insurance company ignoring what the doctors are saying, ignoring something that is staring us all in the face, which is this, this big problem of opioids. And what do they say, you know, say to him? They, they, they come back and say insufficient medical documentation and insufficient medical support. When you have doctors who are writing to the insurance company saying, we are treating this individual. This person is addicted. This person is disabled. What does the insurance company do? deny the claim. And why do they deny the claim, John? Most likely because they're assuming that this person who says here in the email that he has no strength to fight them... Ain't gonna fight. Ain't gonna fight them. It's gonna walk away. And they're betting on it. And here's the reality. A very, very unfortunate reality. Most people, I think, the vast majority of people who believe that they have no case will not contact us, will not contact any lawyer, will simply walk away into that good night. They will leave the insurance company holding huge sums of money that is rightfully belonging to them and their families. And that's a tragedy of this whole situation. You know, it's one thing if insurance companies are denying your claim for legitimate reasons, and sometimes they do. They do. I mean, when I worked for insurance companies in the past, when I defended them, I've had, you know, there have been claims that have come across my desk where I've had very candid conversations with the lawyers on the other side. And I've said, listen, your client has no case and my client's going to fight it. So I understand that insurance companies sometimes act correctly, but holy cow, have I seen a completely different side of this equation when I've started working for individuals who are fighting insurance companies. And it literally is a David and Goliath situation, except that in the vast majority of cases, a lot of these Davids end up walking home. They don't challenge Goliath. And that's what we can do here. We can challenge the insurance company. We can even the playing field. Insurance companies, once you stand up to them and you have a legitimate claim, they will pay. And if they don't pay, a judge will make them pay. So at the very least, get the information you need to make an informed decision as to whether or not you want to proceed with your case or not. A few minutes left to go. We'll get to another email after a, a wee break. one 990 help at And uh, coming up in a few days, early January, we get into it. Our global TV show, taking this show to television in your corner is what it's going to be called. And it will be happening Sundays at 8.30 a.m. So looking forward to that. Uh, short break. Back at it. More in, uh, insurance and injury law show coming up. Global News Radio. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. It is help at theinsuranceslawyer.ca. If you have questions, um, free questions and answers. As a matter of fact, mydisabilityquestions.com is the place you want to go for that. We'll get to one more email here. Crystal writes in, says my husband has been on LTD for over a year and a half, and we just got a letter in the mail this week saying that his uh, disability payments will stop in May next year because he should be well enough to do other work. He's 52 and has a job where he earns over $200,000 in a year in the financial sector. He's not well at all. He suffers from chronic fatigue and various mental health issues, uh, which is genetic. His father had the same thing and died of a heart attack when he was 58. Very scared that when the payments stop, we will have to sell the house and go into significant debt. Can we stop the insurance company from cutting him off? Well, I can tell you, Crystal, we can definitely try. And when I say try, I don't mean try with little hope. I think we can try with a lot of hope that we could uh, either reverse the insurance company's position here 
or at the very least uh, start something now that will ensure that there is as little gap as possible uh, for you guys to be without money. I mean, my goal here is to make sure that you don't have that gap where you have no money coming in. Now, let, let's look at this for a second, John. He's been uh, on, on disability for about a year and a half, yep. and he was just told that he's going to be cut off in May of next year. So Do remember, mark. so we talked about that. I mean, we talked about the fact that he's been told that he's going to get cut off next year. It's anticipatory breach. That's the legal term that we use uh, to, to start a legal claim now against the insurance company if we have to. Uh, but, you know, this is important to understand. Why is he getting cut off now? Why a year and a half later, after having received on a monthly basis, like clockwork, these payments, why is he now getting cut off? Well, that's a question that many people who call me ask. And, and here's what I think is happening. And, and I say that not only because I've been handling these kinds of cases for a while, but because I've had off-the-record conversations with defense lawyers and adjusters who I know personally. Here's what happens. For long-term disability... If uh, you want to qualify for the first two years, you have to show, you have to demonstrate medically that you are disabled from doing your own occupation, from working at your own job. Okay, it's called the own occupation test. If you want to qualify beyond the two-year mark, you then have to show that you can no longer work or cannot do any work for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience, Mm -hmm. right? And the example we give, a very stark example, is a surgeon who does surgery every day, that person, let's say, has had a crush injury to his or her um, uh, fingers. So for the first two years, that person will get LTD because that person can't perform surgery. But beyond the two-year mark, even if the person can't do surgery, that person can do something that is within their training and education and experience, which is potentially teaching surgery, right? Being a professor, for example. So at that point, the insurance company may be correct in saying, well, you no longer qualify. The problem here is that A lot of insurance companies will use that two-year mark to just try and get rid of as many claims as they can. And they'll tell you, the letter you're going to get is going to say, we don't think you, you you know, we we think you no longer qualify for LTD because you can do, you know, other jobs. And sometimes they may, you know, even have you seen by one of their specialists and experts and rehab specialists and whoever to try and come up with a whole set of, of, you know, a, a list of jobs that they think you can do. And of course, I have people coming to me and telling me, look, look at all these jobs they're saying I can do. I can't do any of these jobs for a whole host of reasons. Maybe I don't have training for that. Maybe, you know, I'm not able to. But again, insurance companies will tell you, nope, we think you can, and therefore we're cutting you off. So people think, okay, well, we have no options. We simply have to walk away. The, the reality is this. If you cannot do not only your job, but any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience, you should qualify beyond that two-year mark. Don't let insurance companies falsely convince you that you're no longer entitled to LTD. That's incorrect. If your doctors are supporting you, if your doctors are saying you cannot work in any other job for which you're suited for, you should qualify beyond the two-year mark, and we can fight the insurance company on that point. So that's really key. I want people to understand that. So Crystal, my suggestion is let's have a chat, myself, your husband, you, Let's talk about all the options. I want to see the medical documentation. I want to see the denial letter. I want to see the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the LTD policy. And I will tell you within minutes, again, for free, if, in fact, we can pursue the insurance company. My gut sense, based on the details you've given us, is that we can. 
Good stuff for another week uh, to move on and to give you the contact information as well. one 990 help at as well. And a reminder one more time for this week that early in January, we will get into the televised version of this show. Looking forward to that 30 minutes called In Your Corner. That'll be Sundays at 8.30 a.m. on Global TV. Until next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on Global News Radio.